0: Hey everybody welcome to spiritual questions answered thanks so much for joining us we're gonna go through our show today taking the live questions from all of you and seeing what we have to say about them my name is Curtis Childs, and i'll be the host and it, i feel like there's somebody to the left yep there it is cara dom latin consultant for the nce par- usual on this show great to have you thanks And as we move down the table, you get a little preview of Jonathan Rose. There's the full Jonathan Rose, Dr. Jonathan Rose, series editor for the NCE. Thanks so much for coming. Hey, Chris. And to his left, there's Chelsea Odner, writer for Swedenborg and Life. Thanks for coming, Chelsea. Glad to be here. Great to have all of you back here. Um, If you all at home have been maybe following us for a while and you like what you see, consider actually liking this video and subscribing. That helps us go to YouTube and, and get the word out and everything like that if you were here on tuesday we had our you guys remember we had our Ooh, giving tuesday right. 2018 party which was like a celebration of what the channel's been able to do and also a, uh, an invitation to everybody to help make it continue to happen we're a non so we depend on donations to keep going and if you want to we actually have a like had a week-long campaign going and this is the very end of it the mm. at nine o'clock tonight it mm. ends eastern time mm. we have this like matching grant and everything like that so Contribute now and it will go a long way toward us. If you do want to contribute, you just got to look in the description of this video and you just pretend you got your little mouse there like this person. There, see more, donate link. That takes you to our Cosvox page and from there, you can donate. Now, it looks like we're way behind this, <laughs> this video we made last week. So we've gone up from there. Actually, we had a total raise of yeah. $17,023 Woo! so far. So thank you, everybody. That was... From a total of 82 donors, 46 of those brand new. So thanks so much. We got actually them through different channels. So they weren't all through CauseVox. So that's why you won't see that exact number on CauseVox. But you can still go there to contribute to it. And on Tuesday, when people were donating, we were shouting them out as they did it. So we thought we just take a second to shout out people who donated over the week. So I'll start, uh, I want to say thanks to Gina, Jeff, Francis, Christopher, Andrew, Melissa, Timothy, Ernest, Mary, Linda, Carrie, and Jennifer.
1: And Ramon, John, Doris, Lori, Regina, Stephanie, Justin, Dennis, Kwang, Deborah, Donna, and Vincent.
2: Laura, Mark and Luella, Valerie, Jessica, Carla, Darren, Steve, Nadine. Mary, Robert, Cynthia,
3: and Dolly, Landon, Dean, Anita, Tim, Jeannie, Nancy, Joseph, Todd, and Hyland. Thanks so much, everybody. Really
0: appreciate it. And so, yeah, if you're watching now, it's not too late. You can go make a donation, and uh, we'll try to shout you out, too, as well. Or thank you to all the anonymous donors who were trying to avoid us doing that. Very yes, thing <laughs> all the <So, laughs> uh, Link in the description. All right, so let's do what we usually do, which is uh, this show is usually like a sort of a thank you to everybody to say thanks for your interest yeah. in the whole Swedenborg thing in our channel. And so we want to focus on what your concerns and your needs are. So we're doing our Q&A show. If you're there on YouTube, type your questions in the chat. We'll be pulling up. We'll be seeing what we can say about them. And to prove that, we're going to do it right this very second. So let's take a look at the first question. This is from Jen Blossom. How would you describe to someone what <clears throat> being a Swedenborgian is? And just in case, you know, you got a couple of minutes to kill. Um, because, because it's not like you're going to get a lot of people like, oh, yeah, I know a couple of Swedenborgians. So I will start by saying there are people who... Are, aren't even sure if that's the term to use yeah, or not. For sure, there was once a letter that Swedenborg wrote where he's like, "People are calling this Swedenborgianism, but it's not because that was sort of a, a knock on him in the day." Because they, but right. it's not. It's it's true Christianity. So, mm-hmm. um, but then again, <clears throat> I like using the term Swedenborgian just because it neatly categorizes it, and you yeah. know what you're referencing. Uh, so there's a there's a starting point, but I'd love to hear from all of you. What does it What does it mean to you? To, to put yourself, whatever you call the category, what's it mean to be in it? Yeah. Chelsea?
3: Can I see the question again?
0: Sure, what does it mean to you to be, oh, oh. How
3: would you describe <laughs> to someone? I just someone... made it my own question. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe to someone what being a Swedenborgian is? Um, well, I will say I tried to do this like proactively for a year doing this uh, project called The Common Heart Project where I wanted to just have conversations with people, basically like to get more in that, to have dialogue as a Swedenborgian, like a this is my background or my perspective that I'm coming from, and then interacting with people of other faiths, and um, and so that was a lot of fun. Um, and those, but in those cases, I had like an hour to describe what being a Swedenborgian <laughs> is on specific um, topics, uh, and um, yeah, so I guess. How would you summarize that? I guess the this is only humorous, but I recently had the opportunity in like a two minute, you know, like doctor's office waiting room scenario, and I was trying yeah. to say you know, <laughs> what my work was or what being a sweeten Borden was, and they just kept being like, sweeten what? <laughs> it's like sweet, sweet and low that's all that's yeah. all i meant to say um, so that was a total non-answer yeah. i'd love to no, hear from no, other people
0: no. <laughs> I, I can imagine it came up because you were saying i'm a Swedenborgian. treat me first or something like that yeah right
3: exactly okay well no so any, i might any, have well, a thought later
0: so <laughs> no, that, that let, let's just say what what life is really like for us because isn't this mm, part of being a Swedenborgian? Yeah. is yeah, that sure. a Swedenborgian is a human being Right. right, that that is experiencing life like everybody else, but yet we're finding some level of value in the material. So how it sh- goes into the doctor's waiting room situations in our life is really part of the whole thing. But you guys
2: have any thoughts, Jonathan? Yeah, they. Um, I I think I would probably say something about how um, it, it's something it's based on the Bible and Swedenborg's works and explain a little bit about who Swedenborg was. Right. Um, you know, 18th century philosopher and scientist who then had a spiritual awakening and wrote about experiences that he had in the spiritual world. And um, and uh, something that I've said to people before is that it's Christian, but it's neither Protestant nor Catholic. I think that's kind of interesting because usually those kind of the two grand categories that a lot sure. of people are aware of. But to say, like, yeah, it's not really exactly either of those, but it is but it is Christian, Um, you know, and then mumble into my shirt after that. (laughs) (laughs) This is a
0: different question than being asked, what do you do for a living? Because to me, it depends on who I'm talking to. There are some people that I want to tell them everything about it. There are other people I'll say, oh, I'm a digital media producer, so I make videos for a nonprofit.
3: And I would, yeah, I guess I would say that, like, you know, uh, describing what it is, it's in its most basic form. It's just like, I'm, I'm some, I... This guy, Emmanuel Swedenborg, he wrote a ton of books, and they um, I use them it's in my life. spiritual life, you know like they help me they've got ideas and i'm just I, they help me understand the Bible, they help me you know live my life, you know they inform my perspective on the world
2: <clears throat> and Last I checked the the Wikipedia article was really good, like if you can give the name you know mm. it's a really good article yeah. so so people can look him up quite readily now in a way that wasn't possible twenty years ago or something so right.
1: And I would say there's a big range, of course, as is always the case with humanity, but um, a big range of Swedenborgians, how would they describe themselves? I mean, for some people, Swedenborg's writings are the revelation, you know, according to which they live their lives. And for some people, he has some interesting ideas. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a philosophy that they check in with once in a while. So it's, you know, it's it's all over the map about how people that, even people that, you know, put some faith in it, how, how deeply or, you know, fully they hold it.
4: hmm. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, to me, it's when I think about I would definitely consider myself a Swedenborgian and I think what that means for me moment to moment is that I consider the perspective Swedenborg shares on things of extreme importance when I'm trying to evaluate a situation. For example, if I'm trying to navigate my own thoughts and feelings, I will put what he says about the way the mental world works. Mm -hmm. I I take that very seriously. That if he says there's something, um, I think, well, that's probably the mechanism. And I got to that point by having him seem to be right so many times. And even I look at sort of the tapestry of things that I've tried to use to mm-hmm. to help me in different situations and I think there's plenty of things of course outside of Swedenborg that are great but he has the best record overall that I just have been able to find perspectives and and what I when I take the world as he describes it um, my experience immediately improves and so so mm-hmm. I find myself so what is being a swedenborgian it's some kind of lo- it's it's a loyalty to that but, but more like what what does swedenborg say about this that i have that impetus to to look there whereas a non-Swedenborgian wouldn't even, what, what is this, this is just some 18th century thing, it's, it's right. not on my radar, but for me to think that, that I go to that as a reference point and and, and, and immerse myself in it recreationally, but also to, to try to um, fix things that I feel like need fixing in my own life, so.
3: It's true, it's like it's your spiritual food source Mm-hmm. You know, you think like, mm-hmm. oh, are you a vegetarian? No, I'm a Swedenborgian. You know, yeah. or whatever.
4: I only
0: eat. Or whatever. Like yeah. Yeah. in spiritual
3: terms, it's like what you eat. Yeah, yeah. You know?
4: yeah. yeah. right. Um, that's right. I like that to consume.
0: Yeah. Sure. Okay. How do you think? What do you think about that? Okay, let's go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> that good. Good. Well, definitive. Yeah. We could it? obviously yeah. do do a couple of shows just about that. So yeah. Eric asked, Are divine love and wisdom, part of the Holy Spirit, or distinct from it?" Oh, snap! Just a quick to bring people up to speed. Swedenborg describes the, the Christian trinity as three aspects, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, three aspects of the same God that you have, sort of the the, the divine, the human, and then the Holy Spirit is sort of the action proceeding. Swedenborg will often summarize it that way. Mm-hmm. So he does talk about love and wisdom radiating out from God, like like light and heat radiate out from the sun. It seems like we've got a Holy Spirit going out there, as well as love and wisdom. Are they the same thing, mm-hmm. or is one a subset of the other? Or are they somehow unrelated? Go. You're
1: My welcome. impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, go, go. I just, I, I see things in impressionistic ways. <laughs> and to me, it all seems like the same wonderful, lovely thing. But yeah. Nice. You probably uh, that's have a, a more um, pointed oh, I, view. I, I think that's right
2: on the money. And um, uh, Swedenborg says that the divine love is the substance that the universe is made of and and Divine Wisdom is the form that it takes. And so mm. absolutely everything has that at its heart. Mm. And the Holy Spirit, in what Swedenborg writes, he particularly identifies it as truth, which is kind of a radiating form of wisdom that has the love in it or something. Mm. But I think of the Holy Spirit as being, uh, how that love and wisdom is operative in people's lives. Mm. You know, So I think the Holy Spirit is absolutely the embodiment and the extension of that Holy Spirit anywhere. So no matter how bad your situation is or something, the Holy Spirit can reach you immediately there and and touch you with that divine love and wisdom. I think it's just a, I think of the Holy Spirit as being the um, extension of it, you know, of that love and wisdom.
3: Yeah, I like that idea of the sunlight because then the Holy Spirit is, is that love and wisdom or light and heat that's coming from the sun when it's active within a vessel, when it's been received and Mm. is active there, you know, or something, even though it's the same thing. It's just like love and wisdom are actually indistinguishable in the Lord, Mm. but we distinguish them in our minds, you know, but so, um, so similarly, it's all the Lord, but there's this, you can talk about it when it's active in different places and the Holy Spirit is something about the Lord in us or with us or you know, mm. at right. work in our lives in this immediate mm. way. It's something.
2: making me think of the way that heat and light travel out through space, and space can be very cold, right? The, the space that it's traveling through is three degrees Kelvin or something, mm-hmm. uh, but the heat and light is passing through it. But then it strikes an object, it strikes the earth, and the earth is, is very warm because of that mm-hmm. light. You know, So what yeah. you're talking about yeah. is like the, yeah. the planet heating up. Uh, rather than just the deep space, for it. it's mm-hmm. you know yeah
0: I've heard Swedenborg compare it in in us individually to like the the soul, body, and actions, right if you think about I have a an inner me that's that's the essence of who I am and sort of the deeper qualities, but then there's me you know, as I exist in a physical form. But then, like, if I knock over this cup, that's a little bit of my spirit in things. do you think right. about the legacy people leave, how they affect the world. So I wonder if you could also, to make it even more jumbled, sort of equate um, the Holy Spirit with divine providence. Mm-hmm. That, mm. that, that this is where you're seeing the Holy Spirit um, interact with finite stuff.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, I like that. And I, I love the fact that, like, it's so true that... Uh, even in a rather impoverished um, medium like text messages or email or something, where you have no, no tone of voice, you have no you know facial expression or anything to go by. It's funny how you still different people have different personalities in email. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can sort of tell. And I was just so watching a show about trying to tell whether uh, paintings were real or, or fake, mm. and you get, get down to the monocular level that some artist only uses certain colors or something you know like everybody's got their sort of signature right. yeah. and this is like the divine signature going you know it's like the Lord's his his particular email style or something yeah. that's that's present with everybody in yeah. to some degree or it's
0: like okay opening another email from the Lord he's going to use <laughs> metaphors in it I bet <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so let's so hopefully that, that was too useful in, in some regard and we're going to do the next question with no sense of i Ray Jemmy asks, <laughs> did Swedenborg say anything about why people gravitate toward evil? How did you know that mm. people gravitate toward <laughs> evil? Uh, Swedenborg, I feel like he says it. He, that's almost the thing he talks about the most. Mm. Yeah. It, because it's it's so relevant to unlocking the uh, our knowledge of the nature of why life is like it is and what our mission is, what we're supposed to do. It all is tied up in this gravitation that we have toward evil. So how did we get... Into that state.
1: Well, he talks about how we inherit—we uh, inherit a tendency toward evil from all our progenitors.
0: That would be parents, grandparents. <laughs> yeah, no offense, mom crazy. and dad. And that—that <laughs> that going back, uh, sort of cumulatively, cumulatively for you know generations, hundreds of generations.
2: Right, okay. right,
1: right. So it comes through us through our uh, DNA, I guess
2: yeah spiritual dealing yeah and I a think what it particu- the particular form that it takes that Swedenborg describes is to have a tendency an inclination he yeah. it says it's not active, but you have a tendency from birth to prefer love of self over loving God and to prefer loving money and things like that more than you care about your neighbor, and all children have experiences of tremendous love for others and things like that, that I think God inspires in them and so on. But still, the playgrounds and so the kids can be pretty selfish and mean and cruel and, you know, thoughtless and, and that kind of thing that you can kind of see that, okay, yeah, I, I, I will admit that that maybe the human race does have those tendencies. Um, and so the other thing, the other factor that Sweetmore points to is delight, pleasure. You know, it, it's what that would mean is that it's actually delightful to you to feel like you got one over, you know. Again, I'm picturing little kids. who There'll be a toy, and one kid has 30 toys, and the other one has one. And the kid with 30 toys goes over the one with one and just grabs it and pulls it away from the, you know, mm-hmm. because you know it's like I want to have all the toys. You know, that feels you're it still feels good. About that, huh? I am, I am, <laughs> frankly, and I told, I think you should have turned it over. I did
0: say, and 31 was a set, you know. <clears throat> but I, I, t- I completely get what you're saying, and the term schadenfreude that, that it's well acknowledged that people just you get a sense of haha when something bad happens to someone else which seems normal but if you look at it it's insane to to th- naturally feel oh it's okay if something happens to somebody else that i wouldn't want to have happen to me if we were really plugged into what that meant we would have this automatic empathy like i wouldn't want that right. to happen to anyone you'd think
2: right yeah that that old uh, definition that they say <laughs> that, that uh, comedy is someone else you know Tripping and falling off a ladder or something like that. And and tragedy is me getting a paper cut, you know? Yes. Um, Uh,
3: I guess a thought I have on it um, that I hope I can articulate is just I think about it in terms of like the, I go back to the Lord and I think about like the Lord is love itself and wisdom itself. And um, even just this morning, my nine-year-old daughter was asking, like, well, really, why are we here? You know, like asking those really <laughs> probing questions. So I was... Just eat your lunch. Yeah, that, right. <laughs> I tested this out this morning. But just so the Lord is love and wants to love things that are outside of itself to give other people the the joy of the experience of getting to be, um, have agency and, you know, selfhood and... That experience of love and relationship and stuff. But the Lord knew perfectly well that to create anything outside of itself, it would be like the um, the negative, you know of of itself. And mm. so we're inherently not loving. Like in order to have a self that the Lord could then have a relationship with us through, that self was inherently going to come with this enormous potential to just turn away from the Lord because it's, it's its own self and it doesn't have love just inherently within it. Yeah, it has right, to receive love right. from the Lord. And um, and this is all sort of knitted into what Swedenborg writes about the Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and then them leaving the garden and um, not necessarily in the normal sort of mainstream way you might understand that story. Um, but, so, but the Lord's end is for us all to be Angels to give us to ultimately bring us to have a heavenly selfhood, but he just knows that that's going to go through this process where this self is just inherently wanting to play God without knowing what God really is until the Mm. Lord can teach it what God is, you know. And so you think, if I'm God, I want every, you know, I want, I want what I want, I get what I want. But if you're not love itself, you know, like divine love and wisdom itself, that is going to be a bad idea, you know, to Mm. give. (laughs) <laughs>
2: and and because we start out by the nature of of growing it's just the order of life that you have to establish the outer self first mm-hmm. that has to develop and then you start to develop the lower mind and then the higher levels of the mind and so on because you start out at the bottom uh you that you know lowest part of ourselves is the part that takes more pleasure in evil or yeah. that is just simply more oriented towards physical pleasure or whatever mm-hmm, it might mm-hmm. be And, uh, so I think that's part of where the gravity comes from. You know what I mean? Like, like you, there's sort of a gravitational pull there and it's more of a, a more grown up state where you try to sort of rise above that and counter the lower self and, you know, yeah, Yeah.
0: I would give a couple of of final thoughts about how you could answer that question. Why do people gravitate toward evil? One Swedenborgian answer could be that, you know, we have heaven and hell. All around us and hell is right. constantly pressing in that's right and hell is just the enjoyment of evil So hell is made up of people that enjoy evil and and do so without like acknowledging that this is causing harm But I don't care mm-hmm. and they're they're constantly wanting you to do the mm-hmm. same thing as that So yeah. there's that there's also as you were already mentioning a bit Chelsea the historical context that he says there was a time at which kids, you know, we would be born where the default is uh altruistic that that to love your neighbor and with the same degree you love yourself this was just how it functioned but he talks about a historical fall where love of self and love of the world went from being sort of the feet of the the human to the head and now they lead things so there's Mm -hmm. a whole progression we did a couple of shows the spiritual history of the human race was about this so in if you look at it in in spiritual history there's a there's a context for why we're there so all these things you could that could mean so many things that question so those are a couple of of other ways you could answer Mm.
4: yeah
0: for sure um great great okay cool let's let's do another one i think we're on a roll so (laughs) i don't know what kind of roll. a losing streak technomax asks can a soul continue to develop skills and new thought patterns in the afterlife what do you think is it Mm. is it that we figure out who we are here And then we've basically filled out our mold and then we go on and be us forever. Or is there a continued expansion?
3: Well, something sort of a teaser for a future show that we're working on is just how our spiritual associations change and our spiritual associations really are our thought patterns, you know, and but so uh, Karen is in the middle of working on a show about how that, um, how Tracing that process, how how those change even after once we've moved into the afterlife then then sort of then you can really start making changes yeah. <laughs> almost or you know you're working within a sort of That's limited system in this world, but making important choices, you know, yeah. but then so those thought patterns definitely do change once we're in the afterlife because then we gain this sort of more freedom or something to really let go of the things that maybe we wanted to let go of and really strengthen the connections we were aiming to strengthen
2: or mm. something nice. yeah and Swedenborg talks about these schools that exist in the spiritual world that that's another that, show that's coming up <laughs>
3: yes. really well, we're going to
0: touch on it this is freaky this question
2: was planted but it was well planted <laughs> um the that uh there's f- not everyone is interested in this world not everybody you know, wants to go to school or love school or something. But there are people who who love to get to get educated. And he explains that it's more about an education about how you live your life, you know, it. but there's lots of concepts that go with it. And they're very good at teaching you according to concepts you already have and mm-hmm. then sort of stretching you from there to, okay, you step here, step there. Well, how about this? How about that? sort of blowing your mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swedenborg has this beautiful quote that I love and it actually breaks my brain when I think about it, which is that every stage of your life, even to eternity, is only an egg compared to the limitless things that have yet to come. And so he talks about your childhood is an egg to your youth and youth is an egg to your adult life. And then this whole life in this world is an egg to what happens after death. And, and you keep seeing yourself of like, whoa, I think I'm just coming forth and and so to, to, that is somehow way beyond just kind of like i'm getting faster and faster at you know doing those sums or something no this is like <laughs> i don't know um it's really mind-boggling and i read the other day in acts chapter three i think it was where there's a lame person and then peter and john see him and and the, peter just reaches down his hand and the guy just leaps up he's been born lame And it got me thinking about people after death where there may be things where we sort of our whole lives here, we're lame in some regard, you know, and and then you... Just that explosive, like you, like sometimes as you age, you, you get up, you're a little creaky when you first get up, if you sit in the same place for a while. This guy just shoots up, you know? And it was making me think, do we shoot up after death? Do we leap, you know? Mm-hmm. Is there some potential energy that's been building up, some frustration our will wants, things that we can't yeah. get, and boom, you know? And so I do think... And Swedenborg talks expressly about the fact that we go on developing and growing to eternity. I think it's hard for him even to describe how, but he does.
1: Yeah. This is a point that has always confused me a little bit in Swedenborg because he talks about how uh, you have to sort of make your spiritual choices in this world. In here, right. And sort of as the tree falls, so shall it lie kind of a thing. But then he also talks about how when you die, the whole all the physical concerns of this world just fall away and suddenly you, you're just your spirit. You've got your spirit to work with now. And so, okay, this is like a starting point. Now we can really get on with things because we're not worried about how we're going to put a meal on the table tomorrow and that kind of stuff. He says so, it's like
2: waking out of a sleep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He says it's, it's like your your life just seemed like you were asleep, and now you, now you're awake. So.
1: so I don't I don't know how those two things come together because no. if it's a place where you're educated and you you know you've got sort of removing some of the obstacles to a true understanding, um, why do you have to have figured it all out or made your spiritual choices before you die? So, yeah.
2: That's yeah, no, okay. Sorry that, that's, about that, but that's what comes well, up for well, me. <laughs> can, can I tackle that? Because well, I. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, oh.
0: I was just going to say I was going to I was going to add the same confusion. So you saved me okay. having to do that. But go ahead.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that part of what we're trying to develop here is a a state of heart rather than a state of mind, and so if you develop a heart that's interested in learning, then that can be filled in and filled in and filled in and filled in. Mm if you're really the whole state of your heart was like I am so Mm -hmm. not interested I know plenty you know I don't or I'm just not interested or something um uh then there's nothing you have no folder to stick it in they they can teach you but but you've got nothing to to put it in kind of thing and um uh so I think it's partly what was your heart doing in this world and then your mind can kind of catch Mm -hmm. up forever
4: Mm.
0: yeah it is, it is fascinating that Swedenborg seems to make these, these dramatic statements in each direction, that he does talk about, I mean that mentions skills, and I was thinking of times when he talks about the ability to speak and string ideas together, and that people, we're relatively bad at it compared to spirits and then mm. compared to angels, that they can communicate things and articulate things and weave together these masterpieces just instinctively. And that that emerges almost universally in people, Or universally, in people. So, you we're definitely sure. have a skills upgrade there. But at the same time, he'll say the the, the nature that we get goes forever. And it, I always try to look for if it sounds bizarre, where are there analogs to it that we're dealing mm. with in life? And I think about childhood, like we were just mentioning, and that's kind of an example of both that childhood is so formative, and that wounds you receive in childhood, mm. and patterns you say, right. and languages you learn can stick with you your whole life but then again we're very different than when we were kids and there's tons of stuff i know now and can do now th- that i couldn't when i was a kid oh, that's so true. it's it seems like both is kind of happening at the same time and it must be that that's that that's this, the same pattern but just on this much larger scale where you can say this this life formed a part of who you are and you're always going to be that person but yet you're gonna be getting cooler and cooler for eternity, so.
3: Yeah, it, that just makes me laugh because it's also, you think about the perspective and I think about the sort of like intense way that I need to like be clear with my kids like you, you, you cannot do that, you know. <laughs> it's like yeah. I know inside. There's they could do it. and It'll be okay in the end, <laughs> you know. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, but so I need to create this very black and white world for them, right. Or else, mm-hmm. you right. know. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of think we're kind of kids, yeah. in this world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's some level of like, no, really, it's really black and white, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Don't oh, don't. Mm. It's awesome. Don't this... be risky with what you have in your hands right now. Or whatever. Yeah,
0: and to see the things that they get worked up about and are concerned about and to me they're so, so, so simple right. things that I know that's going to be okay Yeah, like, even don't if, just wait till you yeah. even if you have to give those socks back to the place you got them <laughs> from and I think oh if my concerns which seem permanent and complex Huge. and unsolvable yeah. if those are that, that silly in the larger perspective that's a good feeling
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah Mm -hmm. hey hey we're gonna take a special break here because last week if anybody was watching giving tuesday i know well they they stopped talking about giving tuesday
3: in that (laughs) there's still time
0: (laughs) oh yeah there's still time you guys can donate check the description link click the donate link in there Causevox. but part of what we did for the party was we had people from the staff, go over their clips that they enjoyed from these past Mm. couple of years, three, four years that we've been doing this. And there was one clip we didn't get to show because it cut for time. So this is a clip that Amy, our marketing coordinator, picked and it's from the episode, The Spiritual Battles of Jesus Christ. So I thought we would take a look at that and then I'd love to get all of your thoughts on it. And you Mm. at home, feel free to write your thoughts in the chat, so here's the clip. So before we get into the beginning of the Easter story, the crucifixion, let's step back for a second and just look more at why was Jesus going through all these struggles in the first place? I mean, it wasn't, Why wouldn't he just come down and, and map things out so that he would have as good a time as possible? That's what we're trying to do, isn't it? Right? We're trying to make it so we live where we want to live and life goes like we want to have it go. Wouldn't he have the cash to do that? But there's a good reason why he took this road, and we're going to let Jonathan Rose explain more.
2: And there's uh, finally a passage in Hebrews 12 that sort of explains what's going on here. This is about the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. I like that image, that what this testing is... What it does is it attacks us and tests us because there's some stuff in us that's that's weak and flawed. And they can pick that off. You know, it's a lot like the Amalekites when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. They had Amalekites who would attack them. And they couldn't get rid of the whole children of Israel, but they'd attack the weak or the straggling, the sick, and so on. It's a terrible image, but it's when it's talking about stuff that's within our consciousness, it's talking about getting rid of that part of us that's the weakest or the sickest, you know, stuff we don't need, it's not, it's the part that can be shaken, which only has the opposite effect of what hell intends, which is that it strengthens the part in us that cannot be shaken. How did Jesus get to be Jesus? When you see him, at birth, he's just this little child. He's not speaking, he's not doing miracles. When you see him when he's 12 years old, he has this great wisdom that he didn't have when he was a little child. And you see him interacting with the teachers, but he's not doing miracles and he, he's not uh, preaching and teaching yet. And what happened between the time when he was 12 and when he was 30 that made him so powerful? His secret weapon was that he was tested. He went through this torment from hell that made him stronger and stronger. You see that little window of it in Matthew chapter four when he's interacting with that evil spirit. But he, he, was, he was tested and strengthened by that challenge from hell that he just only got stronger and clearer. Psalm 23 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why do you wanna dine in the presence of your enemies? Well, there's a strengthening that goes on. The Lord was actually being fed by that presence and getting clearer and stronger and more able to deal with hell as he went along. So he was going through this process. So because he was going through much more vicious temptations than we ever go through, he was much stronger. He came out because he had that divine love carrying him on in a way that the rest of us were just, we'd cave, you know. we'd we'd give up, we'd collapse, but he was able to take it because he was driven by that divine love, that desire to save the whole human race. And so he got really strong. His heart got so strong in what he was doing. So these spiritual struggles are something that we don't see much of, we don't know much about, uh, but it strengthens us.
0: good speech. Hmm. It made me who was clear. that? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> very young Jonathan Rosen. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, my first reaction is, oh, yeah, right. The bad things that are happening that are annoying and that are hard, they're doing something. It, mm-hmm. it re-energized me to think, no, nope, I even if I don't feel like it, I'm, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more savvy as I just go through this, the things that we deal with in life. And that's, that's one of the things that <clears throat> Swedenborg when I was talking before about being a Swedenborgian, that, that that has affected how I see the things that I don't like that I have to go through. Mm-hmm. And it's affected that that what feels like warfare in the mind, I now think, okay, I can actually see where, and I can see specifically what it's trying to do, where where these kind of thoughts and feelings, what their toehold is, or what their fingerhold is, and and what negative characteristics in me or loves of things that are evil what gives them their power and i can start to see okay well you guys can have that you know in little ways but but so that that reminded me of the way in which having that knowledge transforms something that seems meaningless and painful into something that is still painful but not meaningless which is nice Mm. Mm.
1: amen Mm. i had the same reaction like oh yeah there's a reason we go through these miseries all the time. The human race consigned to misery as it is, or something like that. Swedenborg has that line a few times in his writings. Like, <laughs> the Lord has mercy on the human race, consigned to misery as it is. <laughs>
4: <too soon. laughs> oh, but there's a reason. Yeah. And, and that reminder,
0: it's just like, drink. you got to drink water every day. Even though I've heard that concept a million times, to hear it again refreshes my belief yeah. in it.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, Mm. it's such a treasure of a clip. I feel like Uh, Mm. just earlier this week, I was saying the Lord, the Psalm 23 to myself, and particularly that line is so powerful, the, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And, um, you know, when I'm in the thick of some negative state, it's just like, Please, you know, where's the table? You know, give me the table now, please. Like, um, I had like, like looking a little thin right now, but just a, that totally changed it in my mind of like this, this it, this is the table before you that is going to be feeding you. You know, like this whole process. Mm. It's already like the parameters, the presence of these enemies, even though I can't necessarily see that. That in itself is this sort of divinely guided. You know, preparation that's leading to something. Mm. That's kind awesome. of what I got out of it.
2: And I love the idea of um, having someone to look up to in the Lord. Who, you know, I I'm very prone to self pity or whatever, and and to realize there's there's nothing I go through touches what he went. You know, mm-hmm. I I like the idea of having. A God who suffers, who who's human and, and suffered. I I don't know. It mm-hmm. kind of contextualizes it for me. It's like, no, you're you're. This is part of the plan. I went through this. You'll go through this. You'll go through a little mini version. I went through a yeah. big version. Says the Lord. You know, <clears throat> and and um, and what I was thinking in response to what you said, Curtis, was both that beautiful line that you had about the Dove at the window book, which was one of the giveaways, um that you mentioned that that someone had seen someone in the other world who'd, who'd been murdered in prison or whatever yeah. and that they just had their hands full of jewels because it just immediately turned into something so positive yeah. you know and that idea that stayed with me after the telethon of like wow yeah we don't we don't see the jewels down yeah. here you know we don't see the amazing things the blessings that are coming out of this difficult experience but i am gradually getting to the point where sometimes when i'm really suffering especially when it's before an event or something or it's an about something that's about to happen there's meetings or there's yeah. you know a, a, a panel, concert show. Or yeah. panel show or something like that <laughs> then i start to think wow i'm really suffering i wonder if it's going to be good like yeah. the thing is you know right like i suffer ahead of time and mm-hmm. then it's good You know, so I love these concepts because they start to give you a a different perspective on the stuff that we all go through, but it gives you a little out where you can think, huh, interesting timing. (laughs) I'm suffering right before. I think you shared (laughs) on the air car about having sort of a bumpy night. The night before the telethon well isn't that interesting because you were awesome on the telethon, you know right. and so uh it's just the the timing it gets you thinking about it where you it just hasn't doesn't have quite as much hold on you i think you said this
0: in the clip there if not it's been said other times that how did Jesus make it through these temptations, both the severity of the temptations was caused by the depth of his love for the human race, but Mm, really also he made it through because of his love for Mm. the human race and that burning love. And there have been a few times when I am going through something, maybe it's physical, maybe not, that's really unpleasant, and I pretend, like I think, well, I'm taking this pain away from somebody else, like this is funneling into Mm. me when it would have gone to somebody else. And just that Mm. as a concept, it's sort of like a coping mechanism. Almost think of it like practice because what if I ever really have to go through something to protect somebody? Okay, I've got it. So it's just interesting to think about. That is another way to look up to Jesus and emulate the the mm-hmm. divine. Human nice. And so speaking Ooh, like of a... being
3: a Swedenborgian thing from the earlier question, I just think that it makes you know I wouldn't give Jesus's life a second thought from the twelve year old to the thirty year old, you know, and yet it's what you know it's Swedenborg's Arcana, the secrets of heaven, that mm. gives us that sense of what was really going on for the Lord through those Mm. years and how that really ends up making so much sense, you know, so much more sense than, I don't know, any kind of just, I'm just this miraculous divine being from the get-go thing. Right. The whole struggle thing makes a whole lot more sense and a whole lot more of a, you know, something I can resonate with. We Mm.
2: should probably do a show on that. I
0: know. (laughs) Coming up. Don't you think? um, Coming up at the end of this show, I'll give you a preview of next Monday's show. Oh, yeah? Which, uh which actually expands on that even a little more. Great.
2: Okay, awesome.
0: Okay, guys, let's get back to our what we're good at, this it Q&A thing. Finished. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> well, mixed reviews.
0: M- yeah, I would say good is a little strong. Michelle Scott <laughs> asks, Are there spirits in heaven that operate in our lives and earth, and are they different from the angels? Here we get into the naming of human beings who don't have a physical body because they've died and are in the afterlife. And I'd love to hear this clarified by y'all because there's times when it's even confusing for me. What's the difference between angels and spirits and angelic spirits and natural yes. angels? And So what, what, what are we dealing with here? And, and what's the meaning? Why have different terms in the first place? What's the meaning behind it?
2: jump in the deep in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, Swedenborg talks about this kind of hierarchy that you have the three levels of heaven you have three levels of hell and then in between you have this so called world of spirits that people go to After they die, so in the world of spirits, in the middle, you have some people who are good, some people are bad, or and some people are a mixture. Everybody's a mixture, trying to figure themselves out, and all that kind of stuff, going going through all of that. And so, um, the uh, Swedenborg says that it's the spirits in the world of spirits, interestingly, who are closest to us. They're the most recently from this world. Swedenborg also says that we just live. We have a, we're born here. We live here. We die. We go to that other world and we stay there permanently. Mm-hmm. He's not about reincarnation or, or stuff like that. And and so the people who have died are the they they were just here, you know, the yeah. people who are just here a few few years ago. And since they're closest to us, they're near our minds. And mm-hmm. some of them are good. He calls them good spirits, and some are evil evil spirits. And but the heavens flow through them. We just did that network yeah. show. Yep. I forget what the final title was on it. The but angels and evil spirits with us. So. Yeah, yeah, right. That's a good, good title. I like that title. <laughs> and uh, and that showed how there are whole communities of heaven and hell, but they're flowing through these spirits. So Swedenborg would say uh, there are not like you go through a name change when you go from being a spirit to graduating to being an angel what people sort of colloquially refer to as getting your wings or something like that yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and and so uh he would say if you're in heaven you're an angel uh if you're a spirit then you're still in process but there are some angelic spirits who are close to going to heaven and that's who he flows through to get to us so how am I doing there yeah
0: and then yep. don't forget the heavenly, celestial, spiritual, and spiritual celestial.
2: That's right. <laughs> There's like <laughs> some sure. angels that are these like connectors
0: between those two. And I, but you were going to start, yeah.
1: Um, I was just going to say, didn't he change the terminology somewhere? Like angelic spirits is a is a briefly used term that sort of disappears later in the works. Am I wrong about yeah. that?
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, no, well, it, it gets repurposed. You're absolutely right that angelic spirit. Uh, I didn't want to get into the whole history okay. thing. Yeah. Can worms, <laughs> here we go. Spiritual world
3: history. <laughs> in,
2: in the history of the heavens, uh, Swedenborg says that the different heavens formed at different times. And so it sounds like there were sort of kind of relatively disorganized areas where people would just sort of congregate, mill about and mingle. <laughs> Until, you know, there was a, Get a, job. a time of organizing and, and sorting or something. And, and then oh, you'd have another level of have, heaven. So um, early on in Swedenborg's theological writings, he will only use the term angel for the upper, the highest heaven, the celestial heaven, the heavenly heaven. And uh, so those are the angels. And then he refers to the spirits, who are in the next heaven down? He refers to them as spirits, calls them angelic spirits.
1: Okay,
2: in the spiritual but, heaven. But then later, know. it seems like those heavens get built, oh. and then angelic per- spirits gets repurposed as a term for people who are
3: angelic candidates for graduation.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, but they haven't yet. Gone okay, up to heaven, okay, okay. but the way he describes those angelic spirits, they are amazing. Like what they know, I mean, they're going to be fun to talk to. They're 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 awesome, right. you know. Yeah. And, and, and so they're an important part of the so educational process. Something they'll be doing. The panel. There. They'll, be doing the they'll, they'll be, yes. Lots thank really heavens. Panel heavens shows.
0: Thank <laughs> heavens. <laughs> Will be like, replaced. No, and, there's
3: panel, shows, on <laughs> <love> the panel <laughs>
0: shows. We thought this was part of the spiritual struggles here.
3: Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> just another angle on it. Of course, that's the fun thing. Is there's so many different angles? even within Swedenborg that you can go at, at the same question. And so one that from hearing you talk was making me think of is how Swedenborg says, of course, you know, we are angels in training and, um, we are because the Lord has created our minds. They are in the image of heaven. And so we have levels in our mind, um, that map onto the levels in heaven. Interesting to think about Heaven levels changing and human mind levels changing over time, right. mm. but um, so so the there are there must be there are angels of every level of heaven influencing us all the time, but we would experience it in very different ways in terms of um, so the, the that lowest level spirit that probably still you know uh, is still has their memory of Earth still active and stuff Mm -hmm. Um, could be kinds that interact with us in a very sort of what we would experience of a life talking way. Um, But Swedenborg also describes the influence of like heavenly angels as being nothing but like a feeling Mm -hmm. in him, Mm -hmm. you know, and just this joy. And so, of course, it's not like they're just feeling beings, you know, you can interact with angels of the highest heaven with a body with talking with whatever, but to us, that level of our mind or the inflow from that level into mm. our minds mm. is sometimes just this deep peace and you know like that feeling you have when you first wake up in the morning or something like that and so those so her question i think was like or one part of it was was it are they different right and so there is a difference but i do think they all there is an influence from all the kinds of heaven it, yeah.
2: right there's a there's a hierarchical and it sort sort of structure and it cascades down Mm -hmm. to us Mm -hmm. I I do think that's that's right
0: we talked about some cascading in our angels and evil spirits show where with a show where we were talking about whole communities of angels that communicate with a single good spirit who's around us and I just now would like to pose to the group the question where Swedenborg discusses the spirits the evil spirits that are with us that when they're with us they, they normally reside in hell when they're with us they actually come up into the world yeah, of spirits right. and mm, are good able to be active there and mm. serve the purpose of stirring up the negative things in us so they can be dealt with is the same thing true with the good spirits are are do they were they in heaven or, mm. or the and do they come down for a little while to mix and mingle i don't think he ever mentions that not that that's of interest to anybody yeah. but it just was of interest no to i don't
2: think he does that's very interesting it would point. seem like you'd need to have that that ones. Yeah. sort of an asymmetry, or something. And, yeah, that's interesting.
0: And I think I think we could we could move on. But my last uh, thought is that asking are the good spirits and angels different? In a way, there's shouldn't. All distinctions are artificial because it's just a person that you know, it's all the, a person. Like any of us can go through all these stages. Yeah, right. But uh, on the other hand, people may be a little confused at home hearing us talk about good and evil people, where we all know it's a mix of people. And Swedenborg does seem to describe that in the spiritual world, you do go through dramatic inner transformations where if what, if what you primarily love is what's good and true, then there's this sort of dormancy that goes into effect on the evil and false things yeah, you, well put. and vice versa. And that, so these moving up a level into heaven, you're still yourself, but you could have these pretty distinct changes, which I guess would be like the change from childhood to adolescence to adulthood wow. and so on. So I just, it's both artificial to put those labels on and very, very much representative of, The processes that we go through, Mm. don't tap on the table. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What's the next question? Susan Seeley asks, if near-death experiences proves to be such a positive experience for people, then why are we kept in such amnesia for Mm. most of our lives? This is a a good um, branch of the question. Why do we have to go through life in Mm -hmm. the first place? Does anybody have any thoughts about... um, what why is the veil there and why is it thick and why can it be thick even for people who have had these transformative experiences they then come back down and have to live life and get there's a thing called post NDE depression that people go through mm. so it so what's going on there
1: my first thought pre NDE uh, just <laughs> the whole thing about freedom and that if says so Swedenborg if miracles were allowed to happen Our freedom to choose our own belief systems would be compromised, you know. Instead, we'd be forced to believe, like, oh, God, literally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, (laughs) and so if we, uh, does that, I don't know. Well, no, if we had some, um, some like gut experience of the other life from birth. I don't know. I'm I'm just musing,
4: and I'm not— But you
0: think about, like, when you describe the freedom to choose our own belief system, that may sound to people like a mundane and kind of lame thing compared to these experiences, but Swedenborg seems to describe it as this extremely precious thing that that, this confused, sort of obscure state we're in is the soil in which a freely chosen relationship with God and a freely open— opening to heaven can exist and that, that mm-hmm. while well, it starts out less cool than if you, somebody just told you this is what you have to do it's the only thing that can last because mm. even these grand experiences I- unless we're able to get into a state of freedom where we can choose the heavenly mindset nothing will stay with us so mm. uh, yeah,
4: yeah and good. you would think Thanks. that um
2: you. Uh, mm. you would think that you would say i mean i do honestly feel like wow blessed are those who have an nde because you get to see you know behind the veil you see what's going on people lose their fear of death they mm-hmm. you know they have often so psychic powers or various different kind of things happen to them and uh they kind of know what's going on behind the veil and one of the things that Swedenborg describes is that after you die all your questions you know the there are certain angels who just just exists to answer your questions. And I love that idea of like, we go through this life and like, well, what was going on with this or that? Okay, let me show you, you know, and they will answer. But why not here? Why can't you get your questions answered the same way here? But um, can I just say that that's, that's often a feature of the NDE experience too, as people
0: will describe, I had all my questions answered and I knew the meaning of life, but I was told I wasn't allowed to take that back with me.
2: Yeah, that's right. I know. What's going on with that? And yet, I'm thinking about the New Testament where. Jesus is died is resurrected and Thomas doubts it and Thomas goes and then he actually sees the you know he says unless I see him and put my finger in the wounds I you know I don't buy it and then so Jesus kindly appears to him and says, Thomas, would you like to put your fingers in my wounds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's heard him, you know, yeah. and 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 then he says something to the effect of like, now you see and you believe blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. So in a certain way, I'm thinking, oh, you're blessed if you get have an NTE and you see. But I think the way it's structured, it's got to be a blessing not to see that and still to believe, yeah, you know, because of what Jesus said, there, there's something to the idea of arriving at this on our own without the, wow, I had the vision of God. I'm not knocking the NDE at all, but, you know, I just think there there must be some reason why the rest of us benighted souls, you know, don't have that experience and there must be some good either way, you know what I mean? Like, it, like, like somehow it's got to uh, work out for everybody. Yeah
3: yeah I've been reading a lot of history lately, and it's really fascinating to think about the different cultures just in our world that have lived over the course of human civilization in the world and like uh, and how different they are and um, and then to throw in a Swedenborgian weirdness like Swedenborg talks about <laughs> um, communities and cultures on other planets and how at one time they he writes of some of them having mm. very active non-amnesia of the spiritual world so that it True. was just they sort of knew how to navigate the care for your spiritual freedom and yet you get to have these sweet awesome angel guides who are going to help just kind of like let you know when you're going off course and bring you back around yeah, right. um, and so i just i guess um well a few different thoughts like one is that we there really is something to our attention. Like I guess one one of my points is we are in this time and in this space for some reason. Like a part of me thinks about like if heaven contains all people of all time, I'm one of the few people or who's going to be like, "Hey, I know who Terry Gross is," you know? I listen to Fresh Air. <laughs> like, no, who yeah. else cares, you know, yeah. in right? all of heaven? But there's a huge community of people that, that means a lot, you know, or just yeah, like right. we're a part of a community and yet and we're a very kind of I think we're actually better than we were a few hundred years ago. You know, I mean like I'm very thankful I'm not living in a world where slavery is just like promoted, you know, and you are just like, we had better keep half of humanity illiterate, you know, because we want to stay in charge. Like we're we're beyond that in this yeah. miraculous way. And so Swedenborg does write about how like we that amnesia was actually really important because our Brains couldn't handle anything else, you know, for these phases of human history when it's like we wanted nothing but to kill each other. But Swedenborg does say we're growing out of that as a human right. race. And right. so we're in this interesting time period where I think we still have minds that are just so locked into this world experience, which just inherently kind of clouds our ability to see. Right. You know, if you're walking around, you're only looking at the ground. You don't realize there's a beautiful sunset going on or there are these amazing birds that just flew over your head. So there is something to just in our own personal <laughs> lives. We really can use our focus, our attention to try to look for the, the angels that are in our lives all the time. Mm. And yet I do think we kind of are living in a time period where we're very much riding the edge of like we came into this world with just more interest in our own. You know, in just making sure I get enough of the food that's on the table, you know? <laughs> and yet we have this ability to try to turn our thoughts upward. So like, cause I, I just suffer from that amnesia a ton, but I also have to laugh at myself cause it's like, I just have slowly, incrementally gotten better at like, well, now I know, like I need to spend time to sit and turn inward, you know, connect to the Lord or some presence of the spiritual world in my life every day, you know? Several times a day, or or I'm gonna, and I'm still gonna end up on the road, you know, mad at the guy in front of me who's only going thirty and a forty, you know. So, so that's, but anyway, hypothetical.
2: That's yeah, and hypothetical I, th- I think the, um, <laughs> and I think the whole point of everything that Sweetmore's talking about, the whole point of everything Jesus came in this world to do, was to get us eventually collectively over our amnesia you know i think that's where we're going yeah but it has to be done sort of carefully and bit by bit you know
3: and through people like there are people who somehow don't have the amnesia even even just in terms of a conviction about what's good even though everybody else is telling you no that's not that's not the way we want to live our lives you know like those people are so important to help shift that collective right perspective
2: we live in such an amazing time where I think people have been having near death experiences forever. Yeah. But it wasn't talked about. It wasn't studied in the way that it is now. You know, and so we sort of became kind of mutually sort of more aware. And some some people completely reject, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's just your brain doing stuff or whatever. You know, people come, some people completely reject them. But, uh, But I think a lot of people are like, wait, you know, no, this is a thing. You know, this happens the same way for Aborigines mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. for two-year-old children and, you know, just people of all different cultures and and this is a thing. And so I think we're gradually overcoming our amnesia, but there must be something about that, a protection in it or something, yeah. I think. To, to tie back to the first question,
0: what does it mean to be a Swedenborgian, I'm thinking now that part of what it means to me is, as a Swedenborgian, I feel like I'm educated on why life needs to be like it is, why we need to go through the struggles mm. we go through, why there needs to be this veil and all this, but yet I'm trying very hard every day to break that. Yeah, my, right. my mission is to upset that order and turn try the tides, to, yeah. turn the tides. And and it's almost like that's that's the instructions mm. that we're given. Okay, we don't have the direct link, but if you learn correspondences, you can start to, uh, you can start to f- tap into whatever it, is that when you see a tree suddenly you're thinking much more clearly about god and where we're trying to be and the human race and how we progress from thing to mm. thing so it is this interesting dynamic of and i find it causing tension in myself sometimes of there because i'll have these periods where i feel very much like this is working i know how to navigate this stuff and then i'll be out for a couple of weeks where i, I can't get anything right so it does sort of feel like we're right on the, the edge. And, uh, but it gives me a hope of like, okay, at least I can try to build something internal, even when mm-hmm. external stuff just comes and goes and seems so meaningless, but I can try to say in this moment, I'm going to make this idea just a little more real or try to, and feel like, okay, well, that's in the bank, even if, if I forget about it for a while, it'll be back there and I can mm. try mm-hmm. to turn towards it. Mm. And we're out of time. Unbelievable. I know. Everybody, thank you so much for taking the time to to give us amazing things to think about. I mean, there's questions yeah. really... Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. We were just sitting before the show started saying, oh, I wonder what the questions are going to be like. Cause yeah. we, we have no idea the journey that we're going to go on. And so thank you all for being willing to, to watch us try to... Try to walk that into, to to be part of it yourself and feel free to, you know, if you're watching this afterwards, weigh in with your thoughts in the comments. We do read all of those and we love to continue to learn from all of you and, and, and have uh, the conversation grow because everyone's going to bring their own love and wisdom to it. Um, You know, we want to say thanks again to everybody who's donated for the, to the cause box and Tuesday,
4: y'all done great.
0: Good Um, job, everybody. Oh, and I got, so. Uh, Tim, our director of development, is texting me people who have donated in the interim. So thanks, <gasps> Kendall, Catherine, Kate, Mandy, Matthew, James, and another Kate. For Now our total is 17,383. So thanks, everyone. Hey, we're going to take that and, and continue. 2019 is going to be an exciting year, and we're, we're going to be launching a lot of new stuff. We're really pumped about mm-hmm. it, and we're going to turn that into th- your donations into as good content as we can possibly make. If you wanna help other people see this content right now in an easy way, just like, and subscribe. Maybe you didn't want to at the beginning, by now, you're like, all right, I feel sorry for them, I'll just do it. <laughs> next Monday, as we were alluding- little so eager. Yeah, just like, <laughs> they're trying so hard, and we don't know if they have a lot of friends, so. Um, so next Monday, every year around Christmas time, we dive into, cause Swedenborg has so many amazing hot takes on Jesus and oh, in the phenomenon we were, men- you know, you were mentioning Chelsea, Jonathan, everybody about the, look at this insight into the nature of of Jesus' struggle and how that makes him more relatable. We understand how he fits into everything. We're gonna do it again. That coming up, we're gonna look into the psychology of Jesus Christ and sort of what what got him t- to be what he was. So that's mm-hmm. gonna be eight o'clock, one week from now. On a Monday, hope to see you all there. In the meantime, thanks everybody uh, for okay. for hanging out. Thanks, really thanks Curtis. love Super to fun. to get to to chat with you and hear yeah. hear how your process, how you're being Swedenborgians, you know yeah. how you're processing <laughs> this stuff in your life because it just seems like the life journey gets into the answers. So, okay, everybody, um, that's the last thing that I'm going to say.
4: <laughs> Bye.
3: Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Livestream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner.